episode of the Pony Hour. This is very exciting. We are back in the stable again. I'm here with my, as always, trusty sidekick, Ari Manis. We're back, baby. We're back. And episode two of the new season of the Pony Hour. And here joining us, a guy that should have been on this show a long time ago. And here he is, one of my good pals, a guy that I spend a lot of nights with every single week. I'm talking a comedian extraordinaire. Even more than a comedian, a truly funny guy. The great, the powerful, Earl Skakel is here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, humbled and honored yes. to uh, be here because uh, I love both of you guys. And that's uh, that's on the real. You know, two of my best friends here. You love you too. You don't have a lot of good friends in comedy. That's right. I mean, there's some, but you don't you don't get that close with them, right? Like, and 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 and, and sometimes, uh, sometimes it's uh, it's just weird because you can you can relate to some people about some things and you can't on other things, right? Like you and I have so much in common, yet we are complete. You know, so different. We have the same biggest passion, and then. After that, it's a huge trickle down, right? You're into like rat and heavy metal and uh well, <laughs> into garbage music, you mean? <laughs> well, listen, when you uh sell 20 million records, then you could criticize Rat's musical direction. <laughs> rat sold 20 million records? They had a great run. Uh you know, uh, their first album sold 4 million units. Wow. I cannot name a single rat song. You are, you want to know what I think of when I hear the word rat or see somebody wearing a rat shirt? I think of you. You're the only person I know that even brings them up or wears a shirt or t- you even talk about them on stage. Like, I, I know you always like reference them, which it's so funny because we reference what we think is funny, right? But you, it has a, a comic who has a special out and, and you headline around the world. Yeah. Uh, to me, you have to differentiate yourself from just, uh, I don't know, every other headliner. and Yeah, and, and, me- and you're definitely the only one making rat references. I like that. If that's what you're shooting for, you're absolutely right. I am, because <laughs> if, if another comic does a, a rat joke, you're going to be like, that's Skakel's uh, scene. That's totally true. If I saw another comedian doing a rat joke, I would literally, I would start a Mencia video uh <laughs> But you have to stand out in this business. And the cool thing about the rat jokes is I don't think any other comedian wants to do it. Like sometimes you hear a comedian go, I wish I thought of that. No one does that <laughs> no, for the no rat one. joke. No one's like, man, I wish I could. <laughs> hey, man, Earl really beat me to this rat joke. But it took me almost 20 years to figure out joke about what you love. Right, exactly. And that and that's what I, that's what I was getting at is, and that's what I love is that there's no... There's no hesitation from you. You love that stuff. Well, I think the audience gets off. Uh, obviously, no one's going to know who Rat is of your guy's age right. or younger. You know, a, a crowd in their mid-20s wasn't born until 10 years after Rat's prime. Like, uh, what's their, like, biggest song? Like, what's their, like, we're not going to take oh, it? Oh, that's easy. Round and round. Oh, round and round. What comes around, round goes, goes around. around. I'll tell you why, why, why. Um, and uh, Milton Berle was in their first two videos. Wow. Uh, because his uh, cousin, Marshall Burrell, managed them. And... Uh, it, 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 they're inspiring to me. I draw inspiration from uh, weird sources. Like Rat was turned down by every record label yep. twice, and they had one final showcase at the Saban Theater. 
wow. which is in Beverly Hills. And uh, a Warner Brothers record label said, do you guys want to play with us? <laughs> so I get inspiration from very bizarre, you know, I've been turned down by a few uh, TV shows and yeah. whatnot. And they give me hope of you can make it if you just keep at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. As gay as that sounds. No. That's what keeps me going. Yeah, no, I love that. Drawing inspiration is the most important thing, and that's really what the central root of this podcast has always been about. You know, I have a comedy, comedy, comedy podcast, Kill Tony, and I have a wrestling podcast, Store Horseman, where me and my buddies talk about wrestling. You've been on that. And this one is exactly pretty much about that. Sometimes we'll laugh and do silly things, but uh, it's really about uh, trying to stay inspired in a tough world, man, and people people listen to this and they're like, Tony, what are you talking about? You know, you're a comedian and you work with Joe Rogan and, and you know, you, you write on these cool things that you get you, that you want to write on. And you do what you want to do. But, uh, you know, with all the with all the ups comes downs, man, you know, everything has balance and uh, it's tough to stay inspired sometimes. You know, today I today I wanted to go for a good run. I woke up feeling sluggish. I go out there and I did it. You know, I did it. I ran, but I only ran for like eight minutes and then I just stopped and walked the rest of the way and I was bummed out. But and, that's better than not doing it at all. Yeah. And it sets a habit for tomorrow. Maybe you run 16 minutes or whatever yeah. your regular. I went, to the, I went to the Nike store and bought underwear because I ran in the direction of uh, the mall. So I ended up just being in the Nike store with headphones on mid-workout. And then once you buy underwear from the nike store you can't run anymore after that now you got a bag of underwear you can't be a crazy guy running with a bag certain things certain things you can't run right? this episode is brought to you by nike yes just go to nike.com for your underwear needs and also at the ratpack.com for a rat's upcoming tour dates. that's right that's r a double t yeah two t's uh, if you go to r-a-t is that real are they still a band uh, it's, they're down to two original members. Hey, it's not one, bad. One guy died of AIDS, so he won't be joining them. Was he homosexual? No, he uh, <laughs> had a slight uh, addiction to heroin. Mm. And, oh, that'll uh, do it too. A yeah. lot of women. A lot of women for this guy. Wow. Just Tony Katane's first love. So. Wow. Look at that. I, I mean, they lived a full life. A rat's tale, this could be called. The yeah. tale of the rat. The year of the rat. It's a big year for them in 2019. <laughs> wow. I love it, man. Yeah, I was just on uh, Joey Diaz's podcast, and we talked heavily about uh, Pink Floyd and how much uh, they mean to me. You know, music is such an important thing. I think uh, as a comedian, you have to absorb a lot of art to be able to kick it back out. Like, I remember uh, reading the book uh, On Writing from Stephen King, and he talks about if you want to be a writer, a real writer, then you have to read a lot, because it's like you have to consume in order to kick stuff out, so. Oh, yeah, I think the more words you have in your head, it, the more that uh, will come out of your mouth mm -hmm. uh, on paper, and I read a lot. Uh, you wouldn't think I would, uh, but I read a lot of biographies of yeah. musicians, and, yeah. uh, you know, it helps. Speaking of music, speaking of musicians, let it be known that Earl and I uh, bonded heavily for a great many years as members of a band. Yeah. We were members of, uh, you took over drums for Brody Stevens and the Barris Brody Overdrive, and it became the Barris Kennedy Overdrive. And uh, you and I have been uh, musicians together for almost 12 years. Well, I would say we both owe Don Barris. Uh, yeah. Thank you uh, 
because that was really our uh, way to show people we were funny at the comedy store. Way to show people we were funny, way to get funnier, way to learn when, how to take chances, when exactly, how to pick your moments, how to enunciate, how to project, how to play, how to roll with being made fun of, how to roll with the punches, when to tag something. I mean, that to me was my UCB, my second city, my everything. Those late nights with Don Barris, with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a crazy, uh, you know, the comedy store now is not what it was back then, yeah. which was, you know, complete anarchy and insanity. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we've seen people having sex in that room, oh, uh, yeah. you know, in the right before, uh, you know, the resurgence. It was really the Wild West up there. We saw people in a blowjob competition. Yeah. I mean, I was literally right yep. next to Ari Shafir getting yep. his uh, dangling sucked. Yep. Uh, I'll never forget your laugh. It was like a lion roaring you were you were laughing so hard that the image is still in my head i remember exactly where you were and the outline of it and what it looked like it was was, unbelievable i was crying i don't laugh at a lot uh, which is why i rarely yeah watch my friends just because uh even if i think something's funny i'll just be oh that's funny to myself Right, right uh but just the ridiculousness of ari shafir and dan madonia getting uh blow jobs yeah from this uh, porn star and the number one club in the country. Even back then, it was still the number one club in the country. Yeah. It was just a little bit more outlaw. Yeah. And uh, I was crying. Ari was uh, having trouble uh, functioning, which who wouldn't have? Right. And just the girl. Both of these guys had flaccid penises, and they're trying to not laugh. And if they look up or around or listen to anything that's happening, it's all hilarious because it's all their peers. And Huck, the bartender, I remember him being in like the front row smoking a cigarette, laughing his ass off. I mean, it was, and the girl was trying, I don't think anyone heard this but me, uh, trying to talk Ari, uh, trying to calm him down. Like, it's okay, baby. I got this. I'm a pro. I do this for a living. And she's yanking on his dick oh like my. a slinky. <laughs> and Tripoli and Barris are like, yeah, co hosting it. Like, egging them on and yeah. uh the girl stayed on stage for about 20 minutes after completely naked taking questions and it was hard to do comedy in that environment yeah because it was like okay i don't want to interrupt don i don't interrupt tony and you know i gotta let ari and dan get their lines in so it really like like last night i had to follow fahim anwar mm-hmm. and uh, he's we're the complete opposite right but it wasn't uh as hard as it might have been if i didn't have that training Right. Of, okay, he just killed doing high energy, incredibly likable comedy. Yeah. I'm the complete opposite, low energy and not unlikable, but uh, just right. a lot more darker sense of humor. Yeah. And I did it Yeah. because of those uh, nights like that. Right. For sure. I mean, the training ground like none other. So there was one summer where we were up uh, every night until... Uh, like uh, five, six, seven in the morning. It changed our lives. It changed the way that uh, that we were. Like if I didn't have to, uh, if I didn't have to work phones at the comedy store back then, there was some of those days where I would just sleep until five or six, four or five or six p.m. the next day, and then you wake up and you get ready to go to work at the comedy store again. You have to be there at seven. You try to eat a meal beforehand, and then there you are. So, like, really, it was like working a 9 to 5, but it was a 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, 
fucking rever- reversed everything. It changed everything. We were eating our last meal before bed at 6 or 7 a.m. We were eating breakfast at Norm's at the end of the night. And we didn't have to. We could have been home in bed at 2 a.m. Even that's late. But, I mean, we could have. But, we, but instead, we wanted to play. We were having the time of our lives. And you just can't uh, mimic that. Like, nobody. That'll never happen again. Yeah, I mean, it was like a comedy college. Yeah. Like, and I'd been doing comedy probably nine years before that. Mm-hmm. And I certainly. I grew more in those couple years of that. You know, genre, you and me, embarrass and others, uh, than I did in the first nine years of comedy. Just because yeah. you're around a lot of funny people. And uh, it was just jumping into the fire is the best. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there'll never be another era of like card games in the main room at four in the morning, you know, a, a marijuana haze that resembled the London fog bank. Yeah. Uh, you know, sexual stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, now it's run like a business. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It really is, man. I mean, it's hard to explain to people who weren't there. It's like right. trying to explain the 80s. We talked about Rat earlier. Like, yeah. you know, I grew up on the Sunset Strip in the 80s, and it's it's just hard to explain what it was like. It was mm-hmm. like an ant farm of beautiful women, beautiful dudes. Mm-hmm. You could see Guns N' Roses down the street and then go see Dice Clay at the store, and everything in between was just a complete party. That is so cool. So, but you know, now it's like a little more tamer. Yeah, it's mellowed out, right? I mean, it's just hard, you know, like the dirt, uh, you know, about Motley Crue yeah. just came out and, you know, it did a semi accurate job of what the vibe was like. But do you like that? That was directed by Jeff Tremaine from the Jackass movies. I did not. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a detail freak. Right. You wouldn't think I would be. Uh, but I just, you know, like the opening scene. Uh, you know, said the Whiskey A Go-Go 1981, and there was a Fast Times poster uh, on the wall, and it's like, that didn't come out till like, 83. Oh. And then the next scene, and I know we have a love of wrestling, they had Tommy Lee wearing a uh, Hulkamania shirt in, like, 81. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a thing till 84. Right. So, like, I'm sure people watching the movie didn't notice that stuff, but, uh, and they, you know, when Vince Neil killed the... Um, the uh, drummer from Hanoi Rocks. Uh, in the movie, they had it a Corvette, but in real life, it was a Pantera. Once again, you probably were like, well, you didn't know right. that. Yeah. So it didn't ruin the movie for you, but uh, this is just lazy filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you and I uh, have worked on together, you are one of the most famous roast battlers of all time. Uh, highly, <laughs> highly uh, a fan favorite. You um, have a very special uh, pro wrestling swagger, uh, balls to the walls. You're known, you're known for having no shirt and boas and just <laughs> owning any jokes that come at you with pure swagger, and it makes you almost invincible. Um, what's uh, what's up with that? How's everything going in uh, that world? You've been what's your outlet now for making fun of people since you sort of hung up the old boa on the um, uh, well, roast battle? Uh, you know. I, I just uh, I felt disrespected by the show that I helped build. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I helped build that show. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't like seeing uh, other people get taken care of over me. Right. Like, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm a very respectful person, and uh, I just it's it's not the most loyal show, and 
I felt like I was given the toughest path out of anyone in the history of the show, and I, I still to this day don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Now, to people who don't watch Roast Battle, they're like, dude, what's your problem? You got on TV. But to Roast Battle fans, you, you know, are a very loyal uh, – people who do watch it, they're like wrestling fans. They get into it. Yeah. I, I think they understand, like, you know, having to face Jesse Joyce, you know, like he's a Comedy Central writer. Uh, he writes jokes for Jeff Ross. It's a monster writer. Oh, he's uh, yeah. amazing. I, yeah. I love – people think we don't and like you, each other. And you slayed him like Game of Thrones style. I, I will never forget that. That reminds me of – to me, as a fan of uh, as a fan of like UFC and roast battle, that night reminded me of uh, McGregor Aldo, where it was supposed to be these two monsters, right? He's the Aldo, sure, right? Like the vet, right? Experience, blah 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 blah, right? And then there's you, who is no in no way an overnight success, right? You've probably no. been doing it as long as he has because he's been doing stand-up for a long time as well. And to me, it was that, and boom. I mean, you never even let him get a... His style against your style was unbelievably uh, offset. I mean, you dominated him from the get. You almost made him look like a fool for caring and trying if that makes sense like it was just so one-sided but to me it's like you know why am i facing him like literally the name of the show is roast battle presents or jeff ross presents roast battle on comedy central like jesse writes jokes for jeff he's an employee of comedy central like he's on at midnight and uh, drunk history and it's like clearly they wanted him to win yeah like it's just you know oh no i agree oh no that's exactly how they like to uh that's exactly how they like to do it they were certain mike lawrence was going to get me on this last season yeah i turned it down and they would not it was the i've never seen them uh so relentless in anything before because i turned it down and they kept they just kept coming at me like it was literally like no i don't want to i don't want to go against mike lawrence and they just wouldn't stop so finally after 2 weeks with I think two or three weeks to go until the thing, I'm finally like I don't I don't really get it, but because what happened was is they're like, hey, we want you to take on Mike Lawrence, and I'm like, sure, I bet you fucking do, right? Like you're first of all, he's the champ, right? The true champ to me because it's like he won that season one, pretty yep. fair and outright, and uh, and yeah, you know that that's their boy. Mike Lawrence is a Comedy Central guy, right? And uh, and they're like, hey, come on, go against Mike Lawrence. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm in Montreal. I don't want to have to fly back that day, blah, 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 blah. But then after I turned it down, something happened where I started wondering, like, well, what, what, what would I have said to him if I would have done it? Next thing you know, you're making yourself giggle. Now you've got a joke. And then you're thinking a little bit more because you got that one joke. And now you have two or three jokes that you love. And then they're still asking it's like you know what fuck it let's go well i mean i i don't know i i just uh i think i have a pretty good head on my shoulders uh in 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 my season or our season you know yeah. season one which i think was the best season by of far course, no doubt uh you know like in the road to roast battle uh la edition there was 10 comics uh 
you know, you had Joe Dosh got to battle his podcast partner. Uh, Olivia had uh, got gotten to battle someone she'd already beaten. Uh, you know, Guy Branham and Hooper are friends. Uh, Tiana and uh, uh, George Perez are friends. Uh, so it's like, why is everyone getting to battle someone they know or they've beaten? And I get to battle this guy on a show that I helped build. And then, you know, I beat him how I beat him. Uh, and then in my bracket in Montreal, uh, the second I got it, I'm like, I'm being punished. Of course. Because my first round opponent was someone you're familiar with, Tom Ballard. Indeed. Who is a killer. Who beat me, right. And he beat me the year before in Montreal because I was already looking past him. Yeah. I was literally like, fuck this kid. Good luck. And, yeah. And it turns out that... Uh, you know, one of the things I remember from that is that he used a joke against you that he used against me the year before, right? Right. And the funny thing is, and this is exactly what I was talking about when I brought you up and your style, is uh, some things can bounce off of you and they stick to me. You know what I mean? Right. So the joke was, uh, I may be gay, but at least I'm not a faggot, right? <laughs> And that's he, he did that against me. And dude, it was it was over. It was uh it was literally, you know, we were having a fist fight and he pulled out a sword and cut my head off because, you know, that's the main thing against me that people go to is it's like, Oh, good job, gay boy, or you know, totally gay, oh Tony's in the closet, blah 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 blah, right? That's the whole that's I mean any people people try to hit me on other things but truly at the end of the day it's basically uh you suck rogan's dick uh final punchline it doesn't work but the problem is is that he's gay and he can call me a faggot and he (laughs) did and he fucking landed it meanwhile and i had a feeling he was gonna try that against you too that's why when i remember hearing it it really stood out to me because i'm like oh if he tries that against earl i don't think it's gonna work and sure enough he did and what's he gonna without it, it nothing i mean literally there was like crickets because you're standing there shirtless right oiled Bo- up, Boa oiled up. <laughs> totally like his joke is i may be gay but at least i'm not a faggot and and you you are more flamboyant than him and it bounced right off you it didn't land for a second and meanwhile all, you're already rebuttaling and and laying them out well i think you and i are, are uh, people probably say always oh, kissing tony's ass by saying this but i'm not an ass kisser or, right. or if i was i'd be a lot further along yeah. but you and i are in that same boat of we know where we're going to get hit yeah you know people are going to attack your special but yeah. to me that's stupid because yeah. it's like well where's your special right like and then they're going to attack you with the rogan thing it's yeah. like well uh rogan's a star maker yeah clearly he sees something in me he doesn't see in you you know with me it's the kennedys i like under or not underage but i like young girls it's like uh what's the problem with that like i think it's pretty cool yeah to, to be with girls half your age yeah. as long as it's legal right uh, so that's not really an insult to me yeah and uh lack of success in your career at that time. It's like, uh, I'm a paid regular at the number one club in the country. What right. are you doing? Right. So I want, I mean, we both know where we're going to get hit, yeah. which I think makes us very hard to battle, um, you know, and with our styles and we're a similar style. We're flamboyant. You came yeah. out in the uh, yeah. suit of armor, yep. which was similar to me in the leather pants. And, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, then I had to face Jimmy Carr, which, you know, clearly, they certainly didn't want me to beat Jimmy Carr. They definitely didn't want you to beat Jimmy Carr. And that's where shit gets really interesting, right? 
almost uh, shades of I can't I wouldn't say the Montreal screw job because it wasn't really a screw job, but it had that raw, real feeling of like, whoa, this is a real show. He just won. This is crazy. They can't they can't not give it to you. Like I remember before the judges weighed in, they're literally, you know, that panic that sort of sets in. Oh, like, I saw uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, Jeff's face and the Comedy Central face. <laughs> right, they couldn't believe uh, it. Well, because I had one joke that didn't work, yeah. but, you know, if you listen to Moses, uh, he says before every battle on television, it's based on jokes, it's based on presentation, it's based on the judge's interpretation, it's based on the crowd's reaction, and I would say that, I love Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy is a, he's a friend. Yeah. Uh, I wish people knew the real Jimmy Carr, like because he's the sweetest. Oh, he's the best. Uh, he keeps it real. I mean, you talk about someone who keeps it real. Yeah. Jimmy keeps it a hundred percent real. Uh, but you know, me calling out the clipboard, it is easier reading your jokes. Yeah. Because the one joke I had that bombed, uh, I left out the first part. Uh, it was about a family situation Jimmy has, mm-hmm. and if I don't forget to say that part, the joke kills because right. it's a great joke. Right. But uh, so I would have loved to have read it. Yeah. And uh, so I don't think people realize that, yeah. that it's a lot easier to read. Oh, yeah. For you're sure. nervous. I mean, yeah. as, as great as a performer as you are. Yeah. Uh, and I won't necessarily say I am, but I was nervous up there. Mm-hmm. Pet, you're petrified. Oh, I, I have a theory that you're more nervous the more experience you have and the more that you have to prove. So... Not only do I get nervous, but I think that, and this is only for roast battle, mind you. Stand-up comedy, it ain't happening. I'm excited to perform, but I'm never nervous. Uh, Same with Kill Tony or really anything. But roast battle is something to where I really get nervous and way too deep in my head because of the roasts that I've written for and how badly I've always, uh, I used to really, it's not even the same anymore, but I used to be obsessed with getting on the roast dais. Like that was my, um, that was my like tonight show was being on a real roast, getting to debut. That's back when they did that. You know, they had just, uh, when I started on that stuff, they had just blasted Whitney Schumer and Jezelneck only from that. We didn't know these people from oh, anything sure. else. It was just being on the dais of a roast. They used to have that kind of star-making power. Let's just acknowledge that for a second. The Comedy Central was able to make stars from the roast. And by the way, they just stopped doing it. They stopped doing it. They gave it to, uh, you know, they just don't do it. They, they You know, they're trying, they, they tried with Nikki Glaser a couple times and Pete Davidson and it's just a different thing. Like it's like we already know these people. Well, I mean, I think like I just did, and I'm not trying to subtly plug a thing I did, yeah. but I just did the roast of Shane Doan in Phoenix. Now mm-hmm. Shane Doan's a very famous hockey player. Uh, if you follow hockey, and uh, the dais really taught me a lesson. It was me. It was Chris Frangiola, Jimmy Schubert, uh, Joe Bartnick, and it's like this is how Comedy Central roast should be. None of us are famous. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah with you know great names but it was one of the best roasts i've ever seen or been a part of because it was just people who are good at roasting yeah and i i don't know pete davidson i'm sure he's a great guy right but he's not necessarily a comic right or roaster uh they've had other uh 
people involved is like, I get you're famous, but like you're not good at roasting. Right. And it hurts the quality of the show. It's true. Uh, I'd rather see people like you, me, yep. uh, you know, Mike Lawrence. Yep. Uh, now, the three of us, uh, we have varying levels of fame or whatever, but we're killer roasters. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you guys are great roasters and roast riders. I'm a great roast performer. Yeah. That would kill yep. on the next uh, Comedy Central roast. It, you're absolutely right. And at some point, they became obsessed with fame. It's very weird. I think that they think that the more famous the people on it, the more viewers it will get. I think that they think that it's only about fame, not about quality. I truly believe that. And uh, that's what they do. They reach for the moon uh, for these um, celebrity types, celebrities that can read teleprompters. Because once you make it to the big roast, I mean, I promise you, it doesn't get any bigger than the teleprompter that they're looking at. I, I mean, mean, they are reading, they talk about reading jokes. They are reading jokes. Oh, I mean, I get wanting celebrities, like, but I think if you get Jim Carrey, I get that. Yep. Whether it's Roast Battle or the next, like the Bruce Willis roast. Uh, but, like, I don't know if they're getting the big enough names where people go, I want to tune in to see this person over, say, Earl or Tony. Like, I think it's better for the show if you have people who know what they're doing. And that's not a knock on the celebrities they're getting, but, like... Uh, and the quality matters, man. The Charlie Sheen roast is uh, one of the funniest roasts ever, and it has more views than Franco and Bieber and all of it. Sheen's the record holder. So, you know, it's quality over... Um, celebrity it's proven people the word of mouth nowadays people don't even know something's on if it wasn't great you know people people aren't like oh I saw the roast last night it was uh, you know well, it, it, they're, not, they're not talking about it if it was just good but, but like roast battles let's take roast battle because it's you know it's a little different than the Comedy Central roast but like I don't like the celebrities who do roast battle like because mm-hmm. they're not good at it like right. you and me are we the biggest names in the business? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not, but we're going to have a killer roast battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know each other. We're great at roasting versus, say, uh, you know, Todd Berry, who is a comedy legend. Right. He's amazing. Yeah. But he's not necessarily a roaster. Right. The Sklar brothers, their kids go to my sister's kids' school. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, if they're good at roast battle. Like, I just don't understand this need to get pro wrestlers, NBA players who've never done it before. I just don't. I think it hurts the show, and I think uh, Comedy Central, who I'm on good terms with, uh, it goes back to why did you sign up for Roast Battle in the first place? Because it was two great people battling Pat Barker against Leah K. Janian. Are they known? No, but they're two of the best. Mm-hmm. It's better than, you know random celebrity who's just I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference in the ratings right no you're right it, and, it, and it definitely doesn't um, so if they get Rogan oh I see okay right. they yeah. bump Earl for Rogan right. I get that yeah he'd probably be good at it yeah uh, but you know I, I just it drives me up a wall you remember the early days of roast battle it was insanity yeah you know it was just like the wild west it was two open micers but who were good at roast battling, which yeah. is a skill. I mean, I think it's a limited skill set. Uh, I don't think there's that many people who are good at doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's that core group of us. 
you know, Mike, you, uh, Tiana, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe 10 overall who can really do it. Yeah. Uh, and now I think it's, you know, getting watered down a little bit. But, you know, hey, what do I know? I just work here. Right. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. Uh, what else has been going on in life, man? Uh, a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I owe to Roast Battle. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm on Tyler, the creator's cartoon, The Jellies, mm-hmm. where I play the dad. Uh, I'm the only white guy in an all-black cartoon, which is <laughs> That's crazy. That's so cool. But I owe it all to Roast Battle, because mm-hmm. he was there one night with Gerard Carmichael. And, uh, you know, it, it's opened up a lot of doors in the voiceover world, mm-hmm. which uh, there's not. But even in that field, you think a guy with this voice, the deep baritone voice for a white guy, still tons of rejection. Yeah. I mean, I go on probably... 10 to 15 auditions a week for voiceovers. Yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky if I get one gig. Right. It's very, very, very competitive. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been actually doing that a lot, too. My agent is obsessed with the idea of me uh, being an animated, like, Pixar movies and whatnot, like oh, a yeah. character in that. So I, I basically everything that they make, um, DreamWorks and Pixar, all the animated things, I now I go down there and read stuff in a booth and the amount of rejections crazy i actually did i had one big animated audition the other day and uh i read the character and for some reason it reminded me of adam from the comedy store and i read it like adam i asked the voiceover assistant that was in the studio at my agent's uh office um if that's weird i'm like hey you know instead of reading it like in my normal voice i sort of have like a take on this character and uh, so, yeah, I sort of just like, oh, you know, I mean, geez, Louise, are you kidding me? You know, and I sort of read it like that, which was fun. It made it more exciting. And uh, yeah, the rejection's hard, man. Still nothing on that. What's nothing, uh, nothing in the voiceover world for me yet. And again, just like you, I mean, one or two uh, every week, every other week, something like that. Well, it's such a... Uh it's hard. First of all, it's hard to even get an audition like that, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm uh, with a great agency for voiceovers, and mm-hmm. like, uh, it, it, there's two circles you have to crack in the voiceover field. One is getting a good agent, which is impossible uh, yes. because they're like, well, you know, what do you got going on? Oh, right. nothing. Well, we get a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, but because I was on the cartoon, it opened up some big doors. But then you're. You crack that first circle, and then you're in the second circle with everyone else who has a an Adult Swim cartoon or Cartoon Network or show or Pixar or DreamWorks, and so it it's crazy. Like uh, now you're going up against everyone who works. Yeah. And now you know because of you know Hollywood being in the state it's in, you know you have Kiefer Sutherland doing voiceovers. Right. Everybody. Dexter. Nobody's retiring anymore. Well, Can we ta- let's talk about this for a second. Why has no comedian retired? Remember when Letterman said he was hanging it up and Steve Martin's still alive and Martin Short? These guys are all making Netflix specials now. Remember when Chappelle took a break? Even Chappelle was gone. Now he's back. Chris Rock continuously. Well, there's a lot of money to be made. Oh, my God. They're uh, just giving it to these guys. It's unbelievable. Well, that's why you got to do something like uh, I admire what Luis Gomez did. Just said, F it. You ain't lying. That's exactly... I think Luis J. Gomez is a goddamn... Uh, I think that guy could be president of the United States eventually. I mean, he 
is amazing to me. He but does, you've done the same thing, yeah. though. Dude. Yeah. You've and I always bring you up uh, to whenever I'm talking about comedy. And mm-hmm. yes, it's hard to make it. Uh, you know, I'm doing it to a smaller degree. Like you and Lewis have found uh, a legion of fans mm-hmm. that uh, hone in on your style of comedy. Rogan obviously is the like the the Wayne Gretzky of honing in on a fan base right. that is going to like your humor uh, and you market it to them and then it, they, if you build it they will come it's it's a hacky expression but it's true yeah Louis J uh, has a new special Louis J Gomez presents Louis J Gomez and uh, it's incredible this guy have you, have you been to Skankfest yet? Uh, I did the first, I don't know if it was the first year of Skankfest, but I did the first year of the Naked Roast Battle. Oh, okay, yeah. Which was, um, I saw something, I, I, it's hard to explain even now, uh, where uh, Zach Amico, a legendary New York comic, was yeah. completely naked. He was, you'll appreciate this as a wrestling fan, he was blading himself oh. to bleed, and he did it a little too hard. Oof. And, uh, you know, they play for you non-wrestling fans uh, to get blood. Wrestlers uh, nick their forehead with a razor blade usually because uh, there's a lot of blood vessels in your forehead. And uh, Zach did a little too hard. And he was – you take any Abdullah the Butcher or Ric Flair video where they're stuffed uh. bleeding, doesn't do anything compared to what Zach did. And Ari uh. Shafir is next to me pissing in a cup. Oh, no. And he threw a probably a sixteen ounce uh, light beer cup of urine in Zach's face on an open wound. Yeah. And, oh. uh, so I've done that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love Skankfest. I mean, that's yeah. it. Almost speaks to Lewis as an individual. You know, I think uh, you know you have the Montreal Comedy Festival, which is industry, and people go there to get development deals and specials and signed with. You know, ICM and William Morris, and I think Lewis and uh, Big J Okerson uh, started almost an anti industry festival. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. These are just comics who we find funny. Yep. And it's huge now. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, Jim Norton, Dave Attell, Big J, Ari. I mean, there's just monsters everywhere. It's so crazy. I've bonded more with, you know, Robert Kelly and, yeah, it's just a bunch of people that you know rich boss that these real new york guys and everybody's just family there and it's so much more bonding it reminds me of my first time in montreal like it's like it reminds me of like the hope that there can be even in the few years that i've been going to montreal it's like i'm done with it i have no desire to go this year i've gone four or five years in a row and i'm just over it i mean uh, but meanwhile i will i will i'm excited to work at a discounted rate for Skankfest. Like, I'm highly looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, this year I'm on Clusterfest, which is yeah. the same weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, but, you know, I'm at the point where I, I, I got to start getting in front of industry. Like, uh, you know, I just I ain't getting any younger. What's interesting is it's true, right? Like, it's like, yeah, get in front of the industry. But what is the industry anymore? I mean, you know, it's so funny. Comedy Central just got on YouTube like a month or two ago. You know about this? No. They finally just dumped their mother load onto YouTube, right? Because before you couldn't find anything. Right. You could go to their website, you can click on the show, 
and the thing just immediately sends you to com- eight minutes of commercials, and you're like, oh, the fucking thing's broken. This is this was Comedy Central's platform for years, and they thought they could get away with it. They thought people were just going to keep watching the commercials over and 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 over again, and they were wrong, and now what's funny is those execs that didn't, that didn't want to make moves uh, 10 years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, now they don't even get to really be the execs that they were trained to be and wanted to be because they don't even get to really make shows anymore. They might be making three or four original shows right now. Now they bought up Futurama. They buy up King of the Hill. You know what I mean? They're just they're they're just airing old shows that some other creative network exec helped make. So it's the ultimate uh, whamboozle. But yeah, my, I guess what I was, and I went off on a rant there, but what I was talking about was like getting in front of the industry to help a career. It's so, um, it's so, to me, it's so like last, last resort type of thing to where I think a place like Skankfest is right there with a place like Clusterfest because the future might be in that room, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Some guy that, Maybe, um, you know, some guy that maybe is going to do something one day, I feel like could be there. There's, it's just so much hope and excitement in those crazy places. But yeah, Clusterfest looks like fun. I mean, I know they're doing roast battle. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, are you doing that? I am. I don't know who I'm, uh, mm-hmm. going up against, but, uh, you know, roast battle is a weird thing. I, I think there's a, a small group of people like you, me, you know, Mike Lawrence, yeah. uh, Tiana, yeah. Olivia, where there's no really more fame to gain from that show. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like if you do season four or I do season four, we're not going to get a development deal. Right. You know, they've already seen us do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a fun show. And, uh, you know, I'm going up there more for the stand up spots. Right. Just because uh, I think there's a, semi uh decent amount of the industry hasn't seen me do stand-up necessarily mm-hmm. so uh but you know skank fest is more my vibe from the standpoint of uh, it's gritty it's uh you know i think when i was uh, doing it, it was at the creek in the cave mm-hmm. which is like a really uh Dun- you know, dungeony type of it's like urine and yeah you know, like it's people. like a squozing in dive bar yeah. A little bit extra space. And when I opened up that patio door and it was hundreds of podcast fans and yeah. they all came, not all, but a few came up to me and said, oh my God, you're Earl, inappropriate Earl. Like, I was like, wow, this is my fan base. Yeah. Like this is this is the Kill Tony fan base. Yeah. This is the Legion of Skanks fan base. I mean, we're all kind of share the same fan it's base. It's really crazy. It's like a big uh, family. They really know you and in a good way. You know, I think a lot of people assume that... Uh, podcast fans are sort of like dorky or whatever but it's really not at all because it all really stems from what rogan right oh and then you look at what rogan is and then again from the from a distance you'd be like oh the rogan fan i can picture what that looks like that looks like a meathead idiot right well no not at all i mean sure if you if you're going off a ufc rogan if that's what you think he is then sure i could see why you would guess that but if you listen to five minutes of his show, you'd see why you'd be wrong in a heartbeat. These are all educated people that want to gain knowledge. They're asking questions. They want to know about biology and health and comedy and all these things. You know, Joe's just asking questions and learning stuff. 
and questioning things in front of professionals of different fields of different types. And those are the fans that end up being podcast fans that fall into the thing and listen to 15 hours of podcasting a week. It's smart, clean dudes. Very rarely is there an idiot. And if there is, those you're going to get that anywhere. I mean, you're, yeah, there's, you know, I just always think that uh, the interesting thing, for example, let's put it this way, right? So, because uh, I perform in like this Saturday, I'm doing in an arena, doing an arena with Rogan in San Diego, right? In our arena. We're talking like, I think it's something crazy, somewhere between eight and 12,000 people at once. And I think it's 12. And you would think that it's going to be a bunch, uh, that there's going to be idiots there that are going to be moaning doofuses during my set, <laughs> right? But again, it doesn't happen there. Meanwhile, meanwhile, if I were to say, if I was in front of someone else's crowd, now again, my crowd's the best crowd. I can say with no hesitation, I have the best fans in comedy. I have some of the, you know, angry. I have some people that just hate me and they don't come, right? But they still listen. Oh, they listen to everything with a fine tooth comb waiting for me to make a fool out of myself. Hey, it's it's a, a listener's a listener. Yeah. Oh, I agree. They all count. And so, um, you know, let's say I was with somebody else's crowd. I would put the odds of having an idiot in the crowd at a higher rate opening for almost anybody other than Rogan. That's the crazy thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's an unbelievably smart crowd. And, uh, yeah, it's just really cool that we're, we're just so lucky to live in this age where podcasting's a thing, right? Other people had different things. Entertainers didn't always have an outlet. You know, I didn't even really want to do this today. I didn't want to do it. Uh, it's tough for me to do this show. Someone asked me when I was in, um, when I was in West Nyack, uh, someone asked me, it was this past weekend, someone asked me if I'm going to, what's up with the pony hour? And it's like, what? I always feel like people are fucking with me. Like, it's like, really? You really want to hear me just talk about life? What about Kill Tony? What about the fact that I put out almost three hours of content a week now uh, in front of a live audience, improvised with a band, with sound effects, with music, with big comedic geniuses, as guests and the, and, the, and an opportunity of someone having a chance to be found and discovered all this stuff. What about that? And, and what about the store horsemen? But you know, it's, it's crazy that we get the chance to, uh, ramble and talk and sort of just figure out, uh, figure out what's what. But all three of those things are so different. Like kill Tony is mm-hmm. like a, a variety show of sorts. Uh, you know, the, Store Horseman is wrestling themed, mm-hmm. uh, and this is, I think, more for maybe non-wrestling fans of your fan base. Yeah. Go, okay, it's just Tony talking shop with the comedy buddies. Yep. So it, all three offer something different. Yeah. So uh, you know, fans are the best. Like, I love it. You know, they keep us going. You ever eat at Bib and Bop? Never eaten at Bib and Bob. <laughs> I go to Body Energy, and no, they don't sponsor me. Body Energy, what is that? It's a very small town Canadian company. They have like five stores in the U.S., uh, one in uh, Hollywood and one in West Hollywood where I live. And it's just uh, they have pre-made meals and yeah. shakes and vitamins where I get all my vitamins. And uh, I'm obsessed with this Bibimbap place. Silly name, 
but great food. You can get this these quinoa bowls with noodles and shit. You can get it any way you want it. I'm telling you, this shit's addictive. I had to tell, uh, I told Sebastian about it the other day because I told him that if he goes there, he'll get a brilliant bit out of it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I go, Sebastian, you know, and I always, I'm one of these guys. What's funny, going back to the ass kissing thing, right? Because I, sure, yep, work with Rogan. I used to work, I used to travel the world with Jeff Ross, right? I've been very lucky. So, of course, I always get these ass kissing things, these assumptions, the jokes, right? The jokes. And uh, on the contrary, I not only never compliment people, I'm actually the opposite end to where I'll hit them with some truth bombs that may hurt their feelings to where I'm like, I don't even know if I should say this, but since nobody else says those types of things to them, that's who they gravitate towards. Anyway, perfect example the other day, I get giddy around Sebastian. Like, I don't mess with him. I'm just a... I've always been the same way for 12 years in May, it'll be, of knowing Sebastian from the time I was a door guy there. Um, Which is... Hello, sir. You know, if I'm being silly with somebody else like in the hallway, I get out of his way. I got nothing but fucking super respect for Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, he is to me the coolest fucking dude. To me, that's what fucking cool is. He's clean. He fucking looks shiny, right? He's he's moisturized. He smells good. He's well dressed. He's got a cool car, a hot wife, a cool car kid whatever right he's got it all and his style is unbelievable so anyway i eat at this bibimbap place a couple weeks ago i become addicted to it right now i've been eating it two three times a week for the last three weeks and i had to tell sebastian because i ran into him at a chipotle and this bibimbap near where i live on beverly is connected to the chipotle right so about a month ago i ran into him in the chipotle parking lot i'm like holy shit sebastian you're getting chipotle he's like yeah i get it to go whatever me too. That's what I did too. I got Chipotle to go. Eventually, I tried the Bibimbap place because it's connected to the Chipotle, right? I fall in love with it, blah, 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 blah. So now I'm talking to Sebastian about a week ago, and I'm giddy about this. Like, I'm just sort of like excited to even bring it up. And I go, Sebastian, you ever try that Bibimbap place that's connected to our Chipotle? And he's like, nah, never tried it. I go, it's delicious. You got to try it. And let me tell you something, dude. It's, it's, it's made to be a Sebastian Maniscalco joke. I mean, there's no way that if you go there, you're not going to have a killer joke about it. It's everything about it is you. And he goes, huh, yeah, I'll try it. I'll try it out. I'll try it out. It's a kind of game, bibimbap. And he does the thing, right? And my knees basically fucking buckle because he did it. He already knows. Right. He's already seeing what I'm seeing. And you could tell he did extra. And it's just me. You know what I mean? It's so fun when you're with a comedian. And Theo did this to me last night. When you're that close to someone that's so funny and they can just fucking almost headbutt you. Oh, sure. To where it physically just fucking like, oh, God. Jesus Trejo, he's another one that's good at that. Jesus has the ability to make my fucking like ribs crack out of place. Like it's just... The other day I threw out my back laughing at uh, Gino of all people. Gino, Speedweed uh, Gino had me dying because he's addicted to this energy drink made for women. Do you know about this? Uh, no, I what's he's it called? He's addicted to a drink called Go Girl. It's called Go Girl. I'm not kidding you. It's in a pink can. 
you're going to start to notice that he's drinking it all the time. He's addicted to Go Girl. And I, I, we were talking about this. This was at uh, Bro, outside of Brody's, uh, one of his six memorials, uh, the one outside of the All Things Comedy uh, studio. And I'm talking to him about Go Girl, and I'm dying of laughter. I mean, it was also probably, you know, the, the combination of having to deal with um, some of the Brody stuff, which I don't, I don't handle this stuff well. I mean, I don't think anybody does. But anyway, it was probably a combination of me being almost slap happy from that because I was so incredibly fucking sad. I was I threw my back out because he's just talking about how much he loves the drink. It, well, he wasn't being funny at all. He's just literally, I'm like, I can't believe how much you fucking love that drink. And he's like, dude, I, it's delivered uh, once a week. I have a, I have a, I have a delivery. It's on auto repeat and like all this stuff. He's talking about this fucking women only energy drink. Is it good for a guy to be drinking a <laughs> no, woman's only? No, it's not. There's no way. And he's talking about how, you know, I'm like, and you always drink one during Kill Tony. He's like, I drink one before and one during Kill Tony. I I put it on ice when I first get there so that it's nice and cold. And I don't let myself open it until the actual start of the show or else I'll just start drinking it before. So I wait until you come out and then I allow myself to open it. Like, And just him talking about the details of how much he fucking loves this women-only energy drink. Throughout my sciatica, I had, I had a limp for three days because I'm laughing at Gino talking about Go Girl. Well, that's because we all know each other at yeah. the store so well yeah. uh, that you're right. You can just give someone a look yep. uh, and it makes them laugh because yep. uh, we're a core group up there. Yep. It's like a gang, the comedy store. Yep. So, and the and the combination of styles, right? Like, uh, you know, it's a clashing of so many different styles and moments and it's just incredible i was talking uh last night i was talking with andy and fahim for a second i was i literally just walked up we're by the belly room marquee the lit up one right right in the corner of the parking lot there and um i'm on the rail i'm on the inside of the rail so the driveway is on the other side of the rail right and we're talking about uh my t-top we somehow like came up like uh like, oh it's supposed to be nice tomorrow i'm like um yeah i'm gonna throw the fucking top off this bad boy go for a drive and uh we start an in-depth conversation about um convertibles and how great it is to have the option because pulling over and taking the t-top off even though it takes 35 seconds it's it makes everything so much better right. it's so worth it blah, 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 blah. and right at that moment byron bowers pulls in just slowly going by us in a convertible literally looking at us like extra cool right because he knows that he knows he looks cool and he knows it's a cool car and it's a convertible beautiful la night but he couldn't have known what we were talking about right and boom i mean just again just these moments that happen there the clashing of styles because byron bowers is the cool guy right he's the coolest guy um so I mean, there's just so many. It's like the bar in Star Wars of the comedy store. There's just every character, you know, even some of the uh, weirdos they let hang out up there. Yeah. Even they add to the place. Yeah. You know, the comedy store lets people up in the patio and even in the club that the improv laugh factory would be like, you got to get out of here, dude. Yeah. Even I, I truly don't understand uh, some of it. I, I, the Boone thing is an anomaly to me. Like the fact that, and I get it. Like, he's part of things, I guess, sort of. <laughs> you guess. Like, I mean, I don't really get it. 
But it's unbelievable because everything else, they're like, this is a business now. We have to take this place more seriously, right? Like, it's like an actual thing. Then you have him looking so sick. Like, I mean, he looks gruesome. Like, like, a, like, a, like a hurt animal. <laughs> and he's selling things to everybody for a dollar. So it's almost like they can't turn it down if they don't know. And they also want to be nice. And it's like, does this guy work here? Like, they don't know what the hell's going on. Everybody who I take there, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people are literally like, hey, what's up with the one guy that looks like a, you know, a shaved lion that's on the <laughs> patio? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, it's hard to, he looks like a melting chocolate bar. Yeah, he really, he's, it's, and he's such a part of it. I wish I knew the actual story. I wonder if the Shores or somebody, like someone, something, like there must be something we don't know, right? I mean, I think he's just an old comic from that era that, you know, never really left, but he's never really done anything bad enough to get banned. Uh, you know, he's, he skirts the line of, uh, harassment at times uh yeah you know he uh, certainly does he's been like a bad dog with me a yeah. few times well he's like got a crush on you or whatever yeah. and then yeah. but then he's in the corner of the patio at times picking his toenails and, mm. <laughs> and like flossing his teeth oh i've seen him do the f- teeth flossing thing and i oh, but like it, oh somehow it adds to the store that you yeah. could walk up, see this homeless guy or whatever he is picking his toes, yeah. and then you go around the corner and see Rogan talking to Russell Peters. Yeah, like you just don't get that at any club in the world. That is true. You don't get the uh, you don't get the guy picking his toes at any other club. In the world. <laughs> like you don't go to the cellar or the stand or w- the cellar doesn't even like guys that look like me and you in there. Right. Like they, it's like they 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 they're like why. Um, Maybe you know they'd be like, "Can you get throw on a jacket or something nice?" Or like, you're, "What are you wearing? A rat shirt?" I don't know, dude. It's a busy night tonight. Maybe come back tomorrow. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got the comedy store picking his toes with a, with a with 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 his teeth. Like the store, like let's you know, street walkers in the patio and just yeah. random freaks, yeah. uh, transgendered, uh, yeah. you know, looking gargoyles. Uh, you know, just every type of human yeah. is up there. Whereas at the improv, it's just like, you know, it's a great club, but it's, it's very clean and corporate. And Laugh Factory's, uh, you know, even more corporate. Uh, you know, Ice House is a great club, but it's, it's just regular audience members. Yeah. Hermosa, it's even high-end beach crowd. The comedy store is just like, come in. Yeah. We don't care what you look like. But it adds to the, the cre- it's, I think it's in large part why it's the number one club in the country. It's, mm-hmm. it's they don't discriminate. They want the freaks. It's true, you know, and the high end people. Yeah, it so. is. A, it is quite the mishmash of all different things. Well, my friend, uh, this has pretty much been the Pony Hour. That's what it's like. Can you believe it? Is there anything you want to plug uh, that you got coming up? Uh, well, just I guess Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know, Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. And, uh, you know, I have my own podcast, which you've been on. And yes. uh, it's just called Inappropriate Earl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I get a wide array of guests. Like this week I had Virgil on. Oh, I love that. You got him. He came to Kill Tony on yeah. Monday. Uh, yeah, he came right after he did. You know, that is like so a, cool. And he was great. All he talked about was how big his dick was. Wow. I'm, I got to listen to that. Sounds like a long episode. Uh, it, but it was so crazy to go, wow, this guy I used to watch has a kid. Like, yeah. 
uh, I wouldn't say he was in Jesus. What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, but it's just so. That's what I love about what we do. Is like we're comics. We get to play wherever we want. We want for the most part, but we also get to meet Virgil. Yeah. No, it's unreal. I mean, I I I, I gave him a shout out on uh, Kill Tony and uh, and uh, the crowd went crazy. You know, it's it's just so surreal. I mean, that's like part of the payment. Yeah. You for know, sure. Yeah, money's great in comedy and voiceovers and all that stuff. And but like the time that you and I got to do the uh, the Mean Gene, uh, what was that? Ric Flair yeah. reenactment in front of Piper. Yeah, I mean that's like one of the greatest <laughs> nights of my life. Absolutely, that's crazy. I mean, you've got a special. You've headline all over the world. You Rogan. I've got my things I do that are great. But moments like that, priceless. Meeting Piper. And oh. Virgil and uh, David Arquette. Yeah. You know, most people would be excited for Scream, but then it's like, that's a WCW champ. It's unbelievable. So thank you for having me, dude. Of course. My pleasure. Ari, what do you got over there? You got an hour? Uh, an hour and 20, I believe. Wow. We went long. Jeez Louise. But I mean, we could go longer, I'm sensing, but like, that's what happens when you have two friends. Like, that's we're friends. This might be the longest two episode friends, of the two Pony good Hour guys, ever. Three good guys. Three but good we, guys. Three but, talented comedians. Ari, yeah. But what I love about the, us three, you think in one sense we're competitors. Like, uh, you know, I want what you have. Uh, you, maybe Ari wants what I have or vice versa, but we all root for each other. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's very rare that you root for. I want both of your lives, and I also wish you guys get more and more successful and sell more and more tickets. You just had a, an audition, huh? Yeah, I just auditioned for a Jimmy John's commercial. How did it go? Call back. I, f- I feel good. Really? Yeah. What do you have to do in it? What do you have to say? I had to sniff a sandwich like it was a glass of wine. Like it was a fancy glass of wine. Jimmy Damn, it's too bad they can't see this. Yeah. I think you would have gotten, you just would have gotten it. Yeah. I, I think they're a uh, sponsor of Brock Lesnar. Yeah, they be, are. Uh, fun fact sure. about Jimmy John's, I ate it once on the road with Polly Shore and got food poisoning and really? had diarrhea for the next two days. Well, I'm sure they're going to I hope they cast me. How do you know it was the Jimmy John's? It was the roast beef. Oh yeah. How do you know that? Because it was all it was what I ate that made me sick. How long? Short. How much longer after that were you sick? An hour, right after it started digesting it. That is so bizarre. Yeah. Now, hope, isn't there a I UFC the this weekend? Is that what you're doing with Rogan? Uh, no. They're just we're just doing an arena on Saturday in San Diego. There is My a, hometown. I believe, a UFC fight night. But uh, someone told me Overeem was fighting. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, get your boner ready. But there's so many cards now. Yeah. That I, I didn't even know he was fighting. Yeah, no, I know it's crazy. Poor out, uh, poor Overeem, man. I've seen that guy get his fucking head almost knocked off. I want him to get out. He needs to get out of there. These guys that have these warrior chins, like it's like it's all cute and fun, but we don't know what the hell's gonna happen to these guys. I oh. saw Mark Hunt getting beat up in a boxing match the other day. Did you see that shit? No, I don't want to see it. Jesus Christ, <laughs> these guys are these guys. Uh, anyway, it just makes me sad. I'm doing Kill Tonys all around the world. I'm doing La Jolla uh, next weekend headlining. I think there's still tickets available for that. The two Kill Tonys there on Sunday are sold out. And then Kill Tony travels all of America. Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Salt Lake City, Boise, Idaho, Spokane, Washington, um, Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Canada. These are all theaters and rock clubs in the month of May. Um, in June, you got Lawrence, Kansas has their own Kill Tony, Omaha, Nebraska, Des Moines, Iowa, Appleton, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Damn, Minnesota, dude. Poughkeepsie, New York, New York, New York, York City, too hard. 
The Gramercy Theater, uh, June 20th. That's a big one. New York City. That's Kill Tony. And, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to plug for right now. Of course, the road to uh, Kill Tony Mania is in October. That's in Sacramento. And Kill Tony Mania, of course, is in San Francisco. And I'm going to be announcing some crazy uh, European dates for the month Wait, of August. Wait, what's the road to Kill Tony Mania? Excuse so my Kill ignorance. Tony Mania is a special new annual uh, event. We've only done one of them. It's basically like a, a Kill Tony WrestleMania. It's like our like super event of the year, and we do it every year now in San Francisco. We do two Kill Tonys per night at Cobb's Comedy Club, and uh, Kill Tony Mania. We rotate special guests into the show, so people that have been like that are like a big part of the show maybe former regular ali mikofsky for example uh not only does she come out and do a new minute and surprise the audience you know this person that they've seen perform a hundred times on the show uh but then they sit down on panel after that minute so they get to watch a couple comedians so it's not one guest the whole time it's almost like uh, they all reunion guests are rotating in and out and uh it's a a super episode yeah with all their favorite people from the past and uh that's awesome yeah it's really cool last year's was a wild success and uh so we're doing two nights of kill tony mania this time we're gonna sell out Cobbs four times that's uh 1600 people wow uh yeah so we're doing eight Kill Tonys that week. Two in Sacramento, four in San Francisco, one on Monday here, and then back on Monday again. Maybe Damn. I could uh, return as the Iron Patriot. Hey, there's oh, been yeah, some mon- the old days. You know, the Iron Patriots are all legends. You, <laughs> Jesus Trejo, Tiffany Haddish. I know, dude. It's Monsterland. Willie Hunter, full-time fucking writer. Willie Hunter, in-demand writer. Jeremiah Watkins, star of Kill Tony. Right? I mean, <laughs> well, you're the star, but yeah, he's a star too. Co-star. But the Iron Patriot is like, uh, you know, it's a star. And the original game. Iron Patriot. Who knows where he's probably dead. No, he's alive. He tweets at me uh, like once a week. You seem real excited about that. He's, he tweets at me regularly. He's, <laughs> sca- he's a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, he is. But he's <laughs> like the Kenny Lion of Roast Battle, yeah. where if it wasn't for him getting that character going... You know, perhaps the, exactly. You're right. You know, Who knows? Maybe, maybe we wouldn't even, uh, you know, have that segment of the show. Right. Why did you get rid of? It? I know you got to go, but well, like, he was wild. Ha- I mean, he was he was a wild one. We made a deal where we told him that he could do um, getting dug with high with me and right, Red right. Band, and we told him that he he wanted to come on with us in the suit. And we go, that's fine, but you just can't uh, you can't talk because we don't have a <laughs> microphone for you. So you're just going to be part of the background. Or you, if you don't want to come, you can't. You don't have to come. He's like, no, that's fine. I won't talk. And we get there, and literally, they're like, you know, yeah, we only have two mics, and we're like, hey, dude, just remember, you can't talk. And then once the podcast started, he wouldn't stop talking. So he like went there and sort of sabotaged a uh, performance in a way, sort of. But then when you started doing a guest Iron Patriots, did you get rid of them and then have the band be more the Oh yeah. The no, side, the, the, uh, the slow evolution was that we were gonna go we were gonna have I was gonna figure out a way to to change it up out over there. And right. uh, we went from the Iron Patriots to uh, Pat Reagan. From Pat Riot to Pat Reagan. And um, and then I told Pat he has full creative uh, control over there. He can do whatever he wants. So he brought in a young buck named Jeremiah Watkins. 
and their relationship uh, started there. And they, he brought in a drummer, Joel Jimenez, and then um, and then Pat uh, Pat uh, focused more on his music. Him and uh, Reagan Watkins' debut album comes out um, in June, June sixth, and uh, you know I'm so proud of those guys. Yeah, so everything's evolved, and now the band is like the funniest part of the show. So it's really crazy because, like, without with, you know, without them, it's it's just uh, too serious of a show. It's people, you know, just doing stand up. People and, going after their dreams, which right. can create a weird energy. Right, but with their silliness, Jeremiah is just he's on a whole nother level. Oh, he's great. I've seen this guy grow more in two years than you know I've seen people do their whole lives. The guy's just getting stronger and stronger. He's so funny on Kill Tony. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He, he does it right, though. But that's what happens when you get a group of your friends. Yep. No one tries to outshine each other. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you want, all want to do We're as well as you can. Good. Yeah, we all push each other. But Sometimes yeah. I forget how funny uh, I should be until I see Jeremiah or Joel crushing two or three times in a row. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to fucking catch up. But that's a credit to you. Because yeah. you could be like Moses with Roast Battle. He, he could have been ball hog and said, yeah. this is my show. I don't want yep. the wave or I don't want Tony judging or right. Mike Lawrence or Earl on the side. Yeah, uh, you can't do that. You got to embrace all the great parts. And he did that. And I did. I definitely do that with Kill Tony. And, uh, you know. On to the next one. This was a fun pony hour roll. Thank you so much for joining us. Dude, it's, uh, you know, normally uh, I don't like seeing other people succeed because they're not good people. But uh, seeing you succeed at your levels, it's been awesome to grow from the days when you had a Jufro <laughs> and you were a door guy uh, to now. You remember that, Ari? Would you, see, you ever see me with no, a Jufro? No, I came post Jufro. Wow. I never saw you with a fro. I'm trying to grow a little fro while I still can. But uh, you are. You should be motivation for every open micer, for every, or even just young comic. Yeah. Self-made man. Because open micer is a dismissive term, but you, from working at Starbucks, getting shit on by, I'm sure, comics up at the store. Yep. Look at this loser working at Starbucks. Go get me my whatever boy. Yep. Go get my car boy, too. Yep. Now you drive a, what, a very, very nice car. You have a beautiful wife you, yeah. you've got a career that most people are all, all people will kill for yeah. uh you know it's like sleeping in the back seat of my car in the alleyway behind the comedy store i mean it, working at starbucks going back you know sleeping in uh amy uh amy cheapo no amy, no, amy uh, hawthorne amy hawthorne's uh water bed or the uh, air mattress air mattress in the living room had to go through two or three air mattresses because they kept getting holes in them and uh you know a deflated air mattress so you only had about 20 minutes to fall asleep or else you'd be on the ground and then you couldn't fall asleep because it sinks in the middle and then it sandwiches around you air mattresses don't deflate like how you think they would like nice and evenly you end up in the middle and then it closes in on you like a venus fly trap uh and i'll never forget those you know that's where you're built iron solid like a fucking rock is having nothing wanting everything and just having the not the desire but the need to uh to learn and be better at life and let me tell you something all the way down to the little things lately i'm making the final improvements i'm tightening the screws on actual life you know the other day i uh i have one of those little standing california sort of like tile showers you know what i mean like it's like a little shower you know i have a full bath or whatever but the shower is sort of like small right I've always loved it. I've loved it. But the other day, I... Uh, did I talk about this? No, not that no, I No, I didn't talk about this on that last episode that we did? No. 
um, the other day I uh, I got uh, I got a shower curtain for the first time because it's one of those showers that you don't need a shower curtain for. And then once I got the cool shower curtain that matches it and is nice and everything, and this is also the good. It really, my wife has helped me tremendously with all this stuff because our new, or not our new thinking, but really the mentality around the house is, you know, keep everything clean, make it zen, have it be simple. You know, a clean, organized life goes a long way. And I'm telling you, I I don't come from I don't I wasn't. My mom was always a clean freak, but it wasn't really like for. We weren't told that it could help our lives and that it really helps. Anyway, so I get the shower curtain that I want and I um, once I get the curtain, I realize, oh, there's no light in the shower now, right? Because it used to just be this natural sunlight or the light from the bathroom would just shine through. So now I've blocked out the light. So I'm like, what the fuck? All right. So I go online and I... I type in LED uh, waterproof lights, right? And I find these fucking cool-ass waterproof lights. Bring them back. Turns out they take fucking AAA batteries that didn't, don't come with them. So I got to go get fucking 16 AAA fucking batteries, right? Unscrew the things. Put the batteries in. Screw them back on. Extra tight. Put them in the bathroom. Uh, hit the remote control on switch because it has a little remote control. And I put them in different parts of the little shower, like one on the shelf and the three in each corner, sort of like looking up. And I hit on, I turn the shower on, turn the main bathroom light off, take my little eucalyptus fucking fancy mist spray, give two sprays in the shower. So now it's basically a pro steam room, right? And the things change color. And they slowly evolve. Now I hook my Bluetooth up from my phone, have Tibetan gong sounds or whatever playing now on the Bluetooth in the bathroom. Now when I take a shower, it turns into a fucking full-blown meditative experience. Wow. And these are the things that I'm talking about when I'm saying making the new adjustments. This is the, 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 and why I'm talking about this is because you talked about the true make, you know, the the iron grit of how I was made was in the back seat of my car, Absolutely. working when I didn't want to work, n- never taking a nap, never taking a moment to breathe or relax or really appreciate what I was doing. And now I have uh, it's like steroids because my body's not even used to it now i'm going into things relaxed i'm going into my set and then my friend it, it ain't ever easy at the comedy store for tony hinchcliffe anymore there ain't a spot for me that's easy i'm the guy that goes after ingram or theo vaughn it's it's been set this past year it is it there's only two people i really go up after and that's really it Every Sunday after Rick Ingram, literally all year this year, you could look at every Sunday lineup. I go up after Rick Ingram. I'm the guy that has the, and I love it, by the way, because it ain't easy, baby, at all. And I I love that, uh, that, I, that I have this amazing opportunity because Rick and I are so different, right? He's doing crowd work, right? And... I'm working on fucking jokes and not easy to follow a crowd work technician who maybe, you know, sometimes repeats a good line. 
that works because then you can't do it right i, I mean it's very hard uh oh yeah i can't do i can't fucking touch crowd work what am i do you think they the last thing they want to hear the next guy and i know because i've tried i've dabbled in it i follow i've been following rick for years what i'm saying is now now i i've been bestowed and and, and it's a compliment from adam hey it's 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 it doesn't let me get a fucking night of easy work in I don't ever get to go in there and fucking just shine. And when I do, it's crazy now because it's like ankle weights are off. You give me someone to follow other than Rick and Theo. Jesus. Good God, y'all. <laughs> what are you, a dusty road? I mean, it is unfucking believable. <laughs> and what, what was my point? What was my point? Oh, is is that anyway, is that it's all it all comes from that guy. So now that guy that grinding and grueling animal sure is my schedule busy do i work a lot hell yeah but now i'm starting to really appreciate having uh moments of breathing and enjoying life making the final adjustments on living an almost completely positive lifestyle you've earned it though that's it was my point 10 minutes ago or whatever bringing it up like you've earned your fucking rewards and success and you what i love about you rogan did this to you you're doing it to like jeremiah uh is you give back Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't like you know i see a lot of people russell peters is another one who he doesn't have to take anyone out on the road and he sets them up at five-star hotels gives them 20 minutes in front of twenty thousand people yeah like and that's why good things always happen to him you rogan uh and you you just gotta manifest it positive uh energies to you all my friends and uh have a beautiful day thank you so much again earl thank you ari manis uh follow ari at ari manis uh, m-a-n-n-i-s perfect um and uh enjoy the rest of your day this has only been an hour and a half of the pony hour we'll see you next time good day yeah.